You are listening to the Tour des Flaneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2022 Tour de France. Powered by Super Sapien. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 5, today we're in Arambert, Porte du Hainaut. Is that Siren the fashion police, Mitch? Well, <laughs> we're not down the start yet, but yeah, just warming the siren up, getting ready for it. Someone doesn't have their cascade on properly. <laughs> so what's the plan today? It's the cobbles, Lille to Arenberg. What are we going to do, Mitch? You've got the map in front of you. Yeah, like, so yesterday I was able to snaffle a uh, blue sticker. And if anyone out there doesn't know, because I didn't know until yesterday, that actually there's a grade in stickers on your cars. And we had a measly orange one, which gets you pretty much nowhere. And now we've upgraded to blue, which allows you to drive across the race parkour um, which I didn't realise is going to be so important because obviously I've never been on the outside. I just assume you could just drive where you want, but it's actually pr- going to be pretty hard. We're going to start, my plan is, I reckon we go to 11 here, Lionel. And so that's the first sector. That's the first sector, exactly. 11 sectors today. So we go from 11 and then the course actually loops down a bit and we can just cut pretty much as the, as the bird flies straight across to sector eight. Um, eight sectors to go, that is. And then <clears throat> Sector 8 and Sector 7 pretty much go back to back to each other. So we could potentially see both. Or I think we just go from there straight down to Sector 5. I think it's mostly important to see either 5 or 3 today because they're both the only two four-star sectors. And from 5 opposed to 3, if we go down to 3, we're sort of stuck there. But if we go to 5, we can scoot across the parkour because of our magic blue sticker across to one and see the action on sector one that's if all goes to plan if we're unlucky we'll probably only get to see sector 11 8 and 5 but at the end of the day i think at least if we see five we're going to see some real action so who's driving well yeah i don't know are you better at navigating or driving i forgot to make that gpx actually oh oh So it's going to be map reading and relying on the sat-nav and the phone. I mean, I've done it before with Simon Gill, the photographer. Maybe Um, I should drive then. I've got the uh, Endoran license, so... (laughs) (laughs) What does that enable us to do? Is that one up from the blue sticker? (laughs) This allows us to be a little bit more reckless, I think. No, we're going to be very safe. We're going to be very safe. You're a very good driver, Mitch. Um, I'm happy for you to drive and... I'll do my best on the navigating. I, I like that we're going old school. That's how it should be done. We've got a page ripped out of the Bible here, which even feels more authentic. A map, and we'll just go from there. Old school. Well, here we go, Mitch. We're driving onto the course of Stage 5 of the Tour de France. Our initial plan to go and see Zones 11, 7, 5 and 1... You're already having doubts after getting some intel from a photographer. Yeah, look, I think I got a little bit ambitious. Um, actually, this is pretty exciting, I have to admit. Like, this blue sticker has opened up all kinds of doors. We're about to enter the course with the team cars, actually. This is pretty cool. I feel like a DS. Um, but, yes, the photographer said we're just going to 11, 5 and 1. I was going to try and squeeze 7 in between there, but he just said... Uh, you're going to be lucky to even to make five from 11. So I reckon we play it by ear. I'm confident we can do it. It is a bit different to Paris-Roubaix, which of course is such a long race and the cobbles are spread over a lot more time. I was looking at the, the time schedule to see what time they will be at Sector 11. They'll be at Sector 11 around about quarter to four and then Sector 7... 20 past four that is ambitious actually but we could get to five and that's yeah i think he's right that is still pushing it it's ambitious but i mean what's the point of being conservative when you can be ambitious have you ever fancied being a sports director no i think that's romanticized it's a hard job a lot of time away from home um, a lot of time in the car and a lot of time hanging out with, no offence to all the team personnel, a lot of time hanging out with just work colleagues, you know. So 
It looks great, but um, the reality is it's, it's a tough old job. What are Francois and I to you then, if we're not work colleagues? Have we, have we become friends? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice. Good, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> the Cycling Podcast at the 2022 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapien. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Super Sapiens are our title sponsors, of course. Thank you very much to them. We've been telling you all about the Super Sapiens podcast and the first guest was the triathlete Eloise de Luart and here's a clip of her chat with the hosts Zylon Van Eck and Dr. David Lippman. When I first heard about Super Sapiens, I actually was a bit negative about it. I was like, I think this is almost could fuel a lot of problems in the sport, especially given my past. And I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to be told this because not that it would be triggering because I'm really over that, but it's, I almost feel like it's, this could affect people. Yeah. Super Sapiens was like getting bigger and people learning about it. I actually then did some research and like actually I was like, okay, it's quite interesting. I was starting to be a bit more open to the fact that this could be quite interesting. It was one of those things like, okay, I'm willing to give this a go. This could help people. This actually could help people. And I'm, I want to align everything I do with that and that's so my training is like well could this help someone these those are my values and if you go back to your values you'll always be okay you'll be happy whatever that is go to supersapiens.com to find out more about super sapiens cobbles already mitch we're not even out of the neutralizer oh my god this is real typical roubaix style because when you send them coming in they're the worst cobbles of the whole route and that's in the neutral zone so they've got a Everyone similar will have feel gathered by now that this podcast is slightly different because like we're Roubaix. recording as the day unfolds mitch and i are driving on the course we've sent francois with our friend and colleague tom carey from the telegraph and francois will keep his eyes on the race and his ear on seb piquet and race radio so he will fill us in on anything we miss and mitch we must be well Still about 70 k's from our first stop at Sector 11, the first section of cobbles. They come thick and fast, don't they? But uh, at the start, at the team buses, you were talking to the riders. So what kind of information and intel did you pick up this morning? I was interested to talk to Movistar, actually, because, you know, everyone's focusing on who's, you know going to win this and how they're going to protect their big GC guys and all this sort of stuff but I thought about talking to a, a team that isn't actually known for their classics ability I'm talking about cobblestone ability um, Movistar and I spoke to a, an old teammate of mine Carlos Verona and he was actually quite nervous um, didn't know that much about his equipment um, opposed to say the classics guys they get probably too fixated on their equipment um, so there, I had a look at his setup. They're not they're not running the most ideal setup in my opinion. Tires are only running 28, which sounds big, but yeah, you know, most teams now I think um, uh, are running 30 mil tires. But I also saw Total Energy are running 32 mil tires, and they're actually running the specialised Roubaix bikes specifically for this stage, which is different. So some teams aren't changing it too much because at the end of the day, it's 20 cobblestone sectors in the middle of a grand tour so to keep changing bikes and all this sort of stuff it's another element i did also speak to aviti who's um imanola aviti who's from movistar who is actually one of the best spanish uh classic riders of the the modern times and um i asked him his role if he was going to get any kind of um freedom or anything but he was pretty clear that he's all in for the team and uh he'll be there just for the gc guys the GC guy, Enric Mass, of course, who probably feeling a little bit nervous about what's ahead today and will hope to come through without losing too much and will rely, I guess, on Aviti in particular. So you think go straight to seven instead of eight? Or eight. Let's go eight straight to eight. Go straight to eight and then we go eight, five. But, go, but following the course or cut off the course? Now? Yeah. Well, we could just... 
cut straight across here now. Yeah. But we can't go backwards. No, we're we can't go backwards. Here. We're down here now. That's the problem, isn't it? So we're back on the course here, I think. So we'd have to go all the way around. Or we can go this way and then just cut back on the course there. Yeah, we could do that. Let's do that. Okay. Oh, man. That's annoying. That no one annoying. told us. They flipped the course around. Flipped the course of... Yeah, so they're travelling along Sector 11 in the opposite direction to the direction in the roadbook because of roadworks, Francois says. I'm going to need to have my sandwich. Let's have our sandwiches. So straight, and we're seeing it back on the course. Is this straight. it? Yeah. Uh, uh, hang on. That's, no, the 49, isn't it, I think, we want? There's the sector over there, look. Yeah. There we Bonjour. Go. Bonjour. Uh, for access or course, you see. Yeah. Oh, just... Trying to work out if we're allowed on. So, note to self: do not go off the course. <laughs> yeah, no, it. it's difficult. Yeah. Well, they, with all of the the roadblocks that they set up with the vehicles and the barriers, it isn't easy to get back on. Well, if we're going to do one good siding, I think we need to just go straight to five. But it's going to be so late in the race, you want to see a lot of guys going through. Because if we wait till five, the race is going to be decided by then already. Even though it's a four-star sector, you still want to see a big group coming through. So do you want to see eight? Yeah, I want to see eight. I think if we see eight, we give ourselves a chance of with a, with a tailwind getting to five. Well, it should be a headwind now. Should be a headwind, they've been going down that way. I was metaphorically saying we we would benefit from the headwind <laughs> in our Mercedes. But in all reality, that's actually a really good thing because they're going to be going in a headwind now, which will make them slower, which will give us a chance to actually get to five. Jokes aside. <laughs> Let's do that then. It's just right. up there. So what are you saying? We're going to walk back down, see them go on to sector eight, run round to see them come off sector seven, and then run back to the car and then drive. We're going to be running, so if you don't make it, you're just going to go. I'm going to go. I can't wait for you. I can't. We're going to miss the race. So get your but, runners on. But Mitch, we're the, you know, we're a team. You're only as good as your slowest team member. <laughs> Not in this case. Are we going to just squeeze it on the end there? I reckon we get as far as possible because we've got time now. Yeah, and okay. we don't want to get caught. Okay. Yeah. And then, what sort of running pace are you going to be doing? Oh, nothing faster than three minutes per K. <laughs> Do you want your chocolate tart now or after the run? <laughs> now. Your, your photographer friend who said it was ambitious was not wrong. No, he wasn't. We've been driving for, what, two and a half hours and we haven't seen a single pedal stroke of cycling yet. That's the reality of life on the... Life in the press room. It Let's get going because I don't want to miss this. No. <laughs> you want your water as well? Seriously, don't know cycling because they're funneling us on the left of the road and the wind's coming from the right. So they clearly just said we want everyone on one side of the road. The riders are going to be riding hard on the left where the whole crowd is. They should have us on the right side of the road. Clearly, they're not cyclists, not understanding anything. But actually, it's good to be on the stones again. Oh, car just drove past. Seriously dusty. It is. Um, this sector, though, has got quite a lot of um, bitumen on it. And this is a three-star sector, so clearly they've amped the stars up for the tour. This would barely make a one-star in Roubaix. Oh, is this soft? Is this soft handicapping? And on, uh, you know, I don't know. What, what's the equivalent in golf? Well, it's, uh, <laughs> music's appropriate, isn't it, for this story? Violin away oh he's up the pace um yeah look it's for the it's for the climbers to make them feel a bit better i think <laughs> wonderful wonderful so logistics now if we go too far up the sector we're not going to be able to get we're back. not going to be able to get back we're not really going to see much here, only them turning on. But I guess the anticipation of them turning on. Because actually, it doesn't really get... looks like it doesn't get much better. There's a whole lot of bitumen on this sector. It's actually, it actually looks like a pretty crap sector to watch on. 
Don't you think? No. I don't think any sector's rubbish to watch on. Yeah, but it's like, if I was riding on this, I'd be like, ah, oh, this, this is a nice sector to ride, because there's quite a lot of bitumen on here. It look, It's an old road that's worn away, and the cobbles have come through. You reckon when they come through here, they'll just be thinking, oh, this is nice, pootling through? Yeah. If they've done some tough stuff before, this will feel nice. I mean, relatively. It's all relative. Well, you G'd up for sectors. So you're ready for the worst and you hit something like this, you're like, oh, hang on, this is, this is actually fine, this sector. Here come the leading six, Mitch. Here we go, the anticipation of it all. It came pretty quickly, actually. Just look at the line of choppers. They're like a birds in the sky. I can't believe that. But here they come. I can see Magnus. It's like a scene from Apocalypse Now with those helicopters in the sky, isn't it? Magnus is on the front, Nielsen in the wheels. They're about to turn and hit the sectors. Wow, they're all across the road, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll see the break, Mitch. They're only going to be here, aren't they? I'll see them. <laughs> Oh, he's just lifted the pace there. Oh, oh my hip. Oh, my, all my joints. <laughs> yeah, I forgot my runners. They would have come in handy for this. Oh. Who's this leading the tour coming through the wheat field on the mountain bike? You've got to see this. This is like knee-high wheat. Oh, we should have run that way. Look at everyone running through the field. Yeah. I knew we could have done it. Yeah, but that's not quite from where we were, is it? We were, we were a bit more over there, I think. Oh, wait, here they come. Here they come. Whoa. Oh, an I mean, it's a cloud of dust. You can't see anything. Can't see anything. Visibility down to about five metres. This is a thing as a rider, like, this doesn't help. The car's driving in front, that's what makes it so dusty. Here comes our mountain bike friend, he's only a young lad. Whoa! Amazing. He, he's got a, an ear of wheat trapped in his rear derailleur. Some of these guys running across the field aren't going to make it, are they, in time? How aware are you of the crowds, Mitch? And uh, how much are you looking out for, you know, people running across the road and stepping out from the edge? Not running across to see different sectors, but yeah, people who crowd in on you, it, it, it can actually get a bit too close, a bit dangerous. You are aware of that. We're going to have very dry, dusty throats by the end of today, aren't we? I'm filthy. I'm filthy. Here they come. They're going from there, Mitch. Nielsen's looking really good. Like, all of them have got grimace on their face. You can see this back-to-back -back sector is tough. Whoa. That's a big gap, Mitch. And that's the group Luke Rose in. Something's happened. Obviously, we haven't seen the race. So something's happened. Crash. They've got caught up because that front group has got a real mixed bag of people in it and the second group as well. Yeah. It's not who I thought would be in the front and also not who I thought would be in the second group. And they're absolutely hammering it. I've seen the tour on the pave several times, but that's the hardest I've seen them going at any point. Did it look like Roubaix? It look yeah, looks like a dry Roubaix. Was that Rooch in that group for EF? Yeah. Had a really good Paris-Roubaix, didn't he? But Do you know what's happened before the sectors? Because we're just seeing, as we know with Roubaix, people can have problems. They're, but the different thing here is they're setting up their GC men. So guys who are normally good at Roubaix could be out the back because they've done work before the sectors. Or because they're there to help now, it's all blown up. Yeah, exactly. Right, put your running shoes okay, on. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Take the back roads. And which sector are we aiming for? We're aiming for the end of five so we can cut across on the yeah, deviation okay. and then get across to right. two. Okay. Alright, you got us? Yeah, I'd, right. I, I'd love to say. Left or right? 
it's a very gentle right. I'd love to say I've got this nailed, but I'm very envious of your relaxed running style. You look effortless, Mitch. That's all the K's I'm putting in in the mornings, mate, when you're up there snoozing. Oh, snoozing, yeah, I wish. Uh, yeah, should have worn my running shoes, really, shouldn't I? Right, we've got to avoid the course, right? That couldn't have been more French, Mitch. We just got eyeballed by a Frenchman wearing a beret in a breakdown truck for poking out a bit too far into the main road. The thing is, too, what we've realised is that we're probably not going to, of our, of our experience before of going off course, as good as the blue sticker is, once the race comes, blue means nothing. So we're not going to get across the race. This way, if we go on the motorway, we're going underneath the race and we can get back around. Yeah, good strategy, I think. As long as the motorway junction isn't closed, like that one there is. But we don't want that one, so that's fine. So if we make this, Mitch, this is sector one, the last one, from Hanon to Wallers. Yeah, it's underrated, this sector. This is the, la this is the sector before Arenberg, which is, gets overlooked because Arenberg's coming, but it's got two turns in it, pretty hard. It's a hard sector. I'm happy we're going to see this. It's going to be good. We have got roughly 19 minutes. And right. the sat-nav says we've got, we've got 8 minutes to Helem and then up. So probably 11, 12 minutes. Assuming the traffic's okay. Mitch, since you've been driving, the fuel has gone down 400k. <laughs> yeah, but we've driven 400k. <laughs> we near enough have. We near enough have. We've gone further than the riders, that's for sure. We're going to make this, I think. What are we doing? What are we doing? Conserving fuel or watching a race? <laughs> Bit of both, Mitch. <laughs> Bit of both. Teamwork. <laughs> Navigation was on point. Not we bad, not bad, although if we'd stopped where I said to stop, your, your little moustache would have been doing a real droopy downturn, sad face, I think. Let's get going. <laughs> Sector one, the Tour de France has exploded on the roads. Tadej Pogacar is ahead of all the other GC riders by the looks of it. It's crazy. This is going to be a shake-up stage. I didn't think I'd see Roglic off the back. It's not over yet, but he's not looking good. This could be... Where was where was Thomas, did you say? Thomas was in the Van Aert group, I think, oh, last, no. I, last I looked. My pick. Well, Van Aert's there looking after Vingegaard, and I think Roglic is behind that group. So, should we go a couple yeah, of hundred metres on? Yep. yep. Sector one, three stars. It's the one with the Pontibus bridge on it, no? going the other way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's the one where the big lettering's on the bridge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because I keep thinking we're coming the same way as Roubaix, but no, we're going the other way, of course. Take it back, sorry. Yeah, this is proper Pabé, though, isn't it, this one? This is good, this is Roubaix. This is proper. Ah, ah, yes. Are you in your currently? <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Speak to you later. You know, the respect of Richard is fantastic. So. Thank you very much. This is uh, this is split to bits, hasn't it? Yeah, Jesper's on the chase with Poggy. I mean, we've, we've barely seen a minute of it except live with our own eyes, so we're catching up a bit on what's been going on. I mean, Quintana's having a good day. He's good on the cobbles, old Quintana, isn't he? Yeah. Technically, you would say he's the quickest rider in the sprint, Bosenhagen, no? But it's a long while no, since... No, Magnus, though. You can't discount Mag Magnus. has won some pretty of good course. sprints in the last few years. Well, and bunch sprints as well. Yeah. Won a bunch sprint in the Welter. When has when Bogenhausen won his last bunch sprint? Long while back. So Magnus. You'd say off the confidence also where he's at mentally, he'd be feeling like unbeatable. Could be his undoing. It'll be one of those stats in years to come. The king of the mountains winning on the cobbles. Yeah. Didn't think about that. 
Pogacar looking very good on in that little group there. Two of them. Jasper Sturven's the other one. And then Wout van Aert absolutely drilling it on the front of the next group with the Ineos riders in the slipstream. Some grimacing faces behind. I miss it. I want to be out there. It was uh, oh, it was good to see. I really could feel the, the energy from the race. Um, didn't expect to see uh, Pogaccia off the front on with Sturvan grimacing in his wheel. See, I told you, he's pretty handy on the old cobbles. <laughs> he is. What a finish. What happened to Magnus? Magnus got dropped on the run in there. There he is. There's Court now coming in. What did you think about today? Huh? What did you think about the today's I racing? I don't know. I don't, I went in at the on my phone. It was, uh, but it's uh, cooked uh, pogi, I guess. You know? Yeah. You've got a lot of fans out here on the cobbles, Mitch. Loads of people have asked for pictures and said hello. This is my terrain. Once we get up to the Pyrenees and mountains, I'm just going to be just a everyday Joe Blow. But down here, I'm a superstar. This is my land. A ripple of applause. More than a ripple of applause. Gianni Moscon, last man on the road, just in front of the broom wagon. The broom wagon sponsored by lastminute.com. Well, I've, something's definitely happened because we all remember Gianni Moscon was off the front of Roubaix just two years ago, causing the trouble. So... Something's happened to him today. He's just not on a bad day. Well, that's it. We can drive on the course, I think, behind these Jumbo Visma vehicles and get to the finish and pick up Francois. But what's your summary? Your first experience of watching a race over the cobbles. Certainly your first experience watching the Tour de France on the cobbles. What did you make of it? I loved it, actually. This is, this is setting us up for the uh, when we're going to follow the classics a week at the classics I'm proposing because it's just fun isn't it like not that the tour isn't but there's something about the energy I got from watching the riders doing the cobbles you could see the grimace in their face it's different to a climb a climb is that long it's definitely not easy but it's a prolonged effort and this is like they hit the stones it's all in everything they've got and you can just see it in their face that's what I love about the classics I always say to people you got to watch the classics way more exciting on the, on the side of the road I'm talking about. Well, here we are at our very pleasant hotel, Le Grand Duc in Valenciennes. We've reunited with Francois. Francois, how do you enjoy your day out of the nest? You flew from the cycling podcast nest and had a day of freedom. Yeah, day without you. It was, it was kind of relaxing in a way, you know. <laughs> we need a break from time to time. <laughs> no, it was the, 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 the thing... I. In a way, I envied you for being on the cobbles and seeing the, the, the action unfolding, but you didn't know what was going on. Whereas I didn't get on the cobbles, I didn't see the dust, I didn't see the action. Well, but actually, I saw more of the overall action than you did. And I probably, I'm probably the only one of you, of the three of you, to, um, to know what, <laughs> what's happened today. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're a little bit in the dark, aren't we, Mitch? I mean, I must just say, I really enjoyed travelling out there on the cobbles. I've done that quite a few times when the tour has gone to the Pave. Um, but today was different, getting your insight as a former rider and also your enthusiasm for seeing it, you know, seeing what you went through as a mm. rider. You've ridden Paris Bay many times, of course. Uh, I really enjoyed um, your infectious enthusiasm and uh, I particularly enjoyed the running. Oh, yeah, we had to. We had to get our shoes on. you got to move. you got to move if you want to see the race because those boys weren't mucking around. You said 47 or 48 kilometres an hour average, was it, at the end of the stage? Yeah. That is moving. So you can imagine us. We were running, getting in the car. We weren't going that quickly. We weren't, but we were driving at about 120 on these back roads. <laughs> so we're trying to make up time in the Black Mamba. Friends Listeners. Police, police and gendarmes, I hope you're not listening to the <laughs> Listeners, uh, Mitch is only joking. We, I were, exaggerate we were being quite very, very yes. responsible, cutting from one section of cobbles to another. Just to clarify, we saw. Uh, sections eight and seven which were kind of back to back and the difference between the break going on to section eight and the bunch coming off section seven was 
really stark, wasn't it? I mean, three kilometres of cobbles back to back, they were really suffering by the end of that uh, section, weren't they? It was great to see, actually, because you got to remember, too, that when you're in a sector with col- with Tailwind, which was Sector 7, no, you still get a sit, but you don't get that much of a sit. So as fast as the guy is pulling on the front is as hard as you got to ride in the wheels. And you could see that after they'd done the sector before, Sector 8, then they hit a... It would have been completely different if they'd done a tailwind sector at Sector 8 and a headwind sector at Sector 7. Everyone would have bunched up a bit, been a bit more comfortable, but it was the opposite. Headwind sector, tailwind sector, and they were on the limit as they came past us. It was quite good to see. And you could really feel the energy of the riders. You could see it in their eyes. You could you could see the grimace on their face. And the dust had started sticking to their face at that point. And I have to admit, I said at this time... I said it last year, it was only until I got to the Champs-Élysées that I thought, oh, I wouldn't actually mind being out there. And today was the first day that I felt, oh, I wouldn't mind being out there. You were missing there. it. You yeah, were missing I was. It. Definitely by Sector 1, which is a famous one from Paris Bay, but as you said, run in the other direction, the one with the bridge on it, the pont Bridge. I mean, by then, at least we did have a picture of what was going on in mm. the race because up to that point, it was just, you know, so difficult to get a handle on what was happening. Fortunately, Francois was watching back in the press room. And obviously, this is one of those days on the Cycling Podcast where the whole episode really is the tale of the attack. But I will run through the basics of what happened today. Uh, stage five from Lille to Arenberg, 155 kilometers, 11 sections of pave. And there were six riders in the early break. Three of them went early. Uh, Taco van der Horn of Antamarche, Edvald Bosenhagen of Total Energies and Magnus Court, the king of the mountains, EF Education. What an opening week he is having. Um, and he was joined by his teammate, Nielsen Paulis, an outsider, but maybe not an outsider for GC, having finished so well, second overall in the Tour de Suisse recently. He bridged up with Simon Clark of Israel Premier Tech and Alexis Gouger of Team B&B Hotels, and they survived to fight out the finish. Uh, Gouger was dropped, Court was dropped on the run-in, probably however many hundred kilometres uh, he's had in his legs in the break over the last few days, catching than, up with more, him. He had more than 400 yesterday, so I add up the, 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 the kilometres he did today. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing it old school, like the 1900s, hasn't he, riding the Tour de France uh, solo, almost. The finish was dramatic, wasn't it? Because Paulist played the only card he had, which was to go hard from about 400 metres to go. It looked good for a while, but he ran out of legs and was caught. Taco van der Horn then opened up the sprint, and then it was Simon Clark who came round. He's never won a Tour de France stage before. He has won a stage in the Vuelta before, but Mitch, as you were saying, in December he didn't even have a contract. It's a fairy tale story, really. Actually, I was just saying to Francois on the way here, we had a conversation in middle of December about you know, ideas about, you know, what to do next year. Clearly he knew I'd retired and just wanted to have a chat about what I was thinking and maybe he was, he actually spoke to me about saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with it, at peace with it. And then we had a conversation late December, even on Christmas Day it might have been, I've signed, I've signed with Israel. And I had already been in communication with him early in the year because I was so happy to see the way he came back came back super strong and came back in Mallorca Challenge with a few um, placings and even top five results. And he was just looking really strong, refreshed. But I didn't see a Tour de France win on the cards, let alone a Roubaix stage. But with Clarkey, as anyone out there who knows him, you never count him out. He is one of the most smart-witted tactical riders out there. You will never count him out. If you look at that stage that he won in the Vuelta Espana, he outwitted in his first year um, in the World Tour, in the first year in a Grand Tour, he outwitted Tony Martin on uphill sprint. He took the KOM as well. He's won a stage in the Tour, but it was a team's time trial. Um, so he's he's just such a crafty rider. So, I, you know, even I outcounted him. I should have listened to my own, my own words right now. In that stage, I just I saw him on Sector 1, the last sector, he was sitting last wheel. He didn't look that comfortable. He had the grimace on, but that means nothing for Clarkey. He knows how to work it. Well, maybe he was sandbagging a bit. I don't know, but he certainly had the finish Laughing. in the legs. And first uh, Tour de France uh, victory for Israel, uh, obviously. We, we needed to check whether it's the first Grand Tour victory. I think it is. Re- relatively new, uh, new team and so, well, brilliant stuff. 
Yeah, well, uh, Simon Clark got the win. Taco van der Horn held on for second. Edvald Bozenhagen third. Nielsen Paulus fourth. And then Magnus Court fifth. And then, well, what else happened? I mean, behind them, absolute carnage. Uh, Tadej Pogacar will be I mean, he will be delighted this evening because he paired up with one of the great classics riders, Jasper Stoven. And when we saw them on Sector 1, Pogacar was dishing out some pain to Stoven. I said yesterday that, um, you know, Pogacar had sort of proven himself on the cobbles back in the spring. And you said, well, the the Belgian cobbles are nothing like the the, the, uh, pavé of Paris-Roubaix. And fair point, but Pogacar rode extremely well. He... Uh, has gained time on everybody uh, except Nielsen Paulis, who, you know, may be a, a dark horse now. Jumbo Visma didn't know whether they were coming or going today, did they? Primoz Roglic crashed and lost time, almost two minutes conceded today, but has he lost the tour? That's the big question. Jonas Vingegaard punctured, had to ride Nathan Van Hooydonk's bike, but got back. Wout Van Aert also crashed very early on and spent much of the second half of the stage riding just as hard as he did yesterday to win. I mean, uh, breathtaking day really on the tour. Van Aert keeps the yellow jersey. Paulis up to second overall, 13 seconds back. Bosenhagen third. Pogacar fourth. I mean, basically leader in the clubhouse for the Tour de France at the moment. But Ineos, quietly, a very, very good day for them because Yates, Pidcock, Geraint Thomas all rode very well. They're eighth, ninth and tenth overall. Primoz Roglic will be looking at the general classification tonight and wondering what he's got to do to get himself back in because he's finished where well, he slipped to 44th place. 176 riders started today, 174 finished. So we've lost our first two riders. Michael Gurgle pulled out and Jack Haig. What an unfortunate incident for him. The Bahrain victorious rider, their big hope for a high GC finish, crashed out. The victim of an incident with a hay bale on a roundabout, which had kind of drifted into the road and a Group Armour FDJ rider clipped it, I think. And then the crash behind brought down Haig out of the tour. But that's the kind of thing that can happen. I mean, the cobbles are treacherous, but then, you know, a freak incident like that has cost Jack Haig the Tour de France. But in summary a day where it's difficult to sum it up in a couple of minutes. So we will unpick some of the stories from the day in the next part. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Well, we said yesterday that the Tour de France burst into life at about quarter to five. And, uh, well, it didn't let up today, did it? It was a dramatic stage. Loads happened. Um, All of the stories will kind of come out in the wash over the next 24 hours. And I'm assuming that the, the... the riders will be just relieved to have got through it. Even Primoz Roglic, who's lost those two minutes, and that changes the dynamic of Jumbo Visma's tour. But today, Pogacar, I mean, how do you pog-proof the Tour de France? It's impossible. He can do everything. I had the impression, to be honest, it's funny because this morning I was talking to a, a few uh, directors sportifs on the, on the start line, and, um, and the joke was, and what if, and the, the what if was, and what if Pogacar w- wins this stage you know and and it didn't look and and all of a sudden it didn't look ridiculous at all and of course Mitch you're much much, much more an expert of the pavés you know on the bike than I will ever w- uh, I will ever will be but the way he rode with Stoyven you know in 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 the in the middle you know the second middle part of the race I mean this guy let's face it he was second in Tour of Flanders he'll win one of these big classics for sure one day unless something you know tragic happens he, he, he has it all he climbs he time trials he can he, he's good on the pavés you know what does it bunch mm. sprint is m- might be his, his, his only flaw I mean it was it was amazing to see what when he was when they were taking time off uh, Van Aert and Vingegaard and you know taking turns and it, w- it was it was really beautiful to see and 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 you know and God knows I, I, I love the Asper Toyman as a writer as a guy and, and uh, you know the way uh, he rides on, on this kind of tearing. I might be wrong, but he was Pog was really flying on those. He was, he was. I saw it in first hand sector one. 
I didn't see it in uh, seven and eight where we were, or eight and seven, however you want to say it. But once we got to sector one, it was all split up, and I could really see the grimace on, like you said, Jasper Seven's face, a cobblestone specialist. This is a guy who knows how to do it. He's got the power. He's got that seated power, and he was getting it put to him by a climber, a GC guy. It reminded me of back in 2014 with Nibali. And I was surprised seeing him do that back then. But I think this was even more impressive. So Primoz Roglic then, losing these two minutes. I mean, that does change things for Jumbo Visma. But Jonas Vingegaard, considering the fact that he had problems with his bike and was also on the back foot a little bit, probably pretty happy tonight. And Jumbo Visma have salvaged something from the day and it completely flips the dynamic, doesn't it, I guess? It means that Roglic is kind of the, the dangerous floater, if you like. Um, somebody who still has to be watched, but the, it, it has changed the order, does surely. It, does it really change the dynamic? Because, I mean, it, well, you know, look, look, at, uh, look at the past, look at, at you know, Roglic's record on the Tour de France. Uh, we, we saw already... Uh, you know, in the opening time trial well, uh, yesterday, when the yeah, when Van Aert moved and Vingegaard could follow, and Roglic didn't. That, that, there's a kind of a you know Roglic curse on the on the Tour de France. Last year he crashed uh, almost at the same time. You know, early in the Tour had to give up. Today apparently we we don't have you know all the details about this, but apparently dislocated his shoulder. Uh, in the crash, put it back into pl- into place. He even said on, even told uh, colleagues that you know he knows how to do it now. Like you mm. know, he pulls his knee and 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 off he goes. He goes. Let, let's face it. Probably the, the it's, it's always tricky to say things like that. But with a dislocated shoulder, losing you know the time is lost today. The tour, the tour is most probably over for for Rogic. So. We don't even know if he can, you know, if he, if, he, if if things go like they did last year, uh, he, he might pull out before the end of the tour. He might be used at Jumbo Visma as you know a kind of troublemaker, mm. uh, you know, attacking. Uh, but it seems to me that in a way, from what we saw already at Le Dauphiné, the real leader of the team is Jonas Vingegaard, uh, undoubtedly. Well, let's hear from him because he is now seventh overall, forty seconds back, but crucially, twenty-one seconds behind Pogacar. This is Jonas Vingegaard of Jumbo Visma. Yeah, I'm confident in my shape and I'm confident that uh, we can do something good when we get to the mountain. Jonas, can you just tell us about the nature of the mechanical and what actually happened to your bike? Yeah, I, uh, I bumped into, uh, or with another guy we bumped into each other and then something happened with my chain. It dropped and it was stuck. Uh, so looking back, maybe I should have just stopped and, and, and took it out with force. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's bike racing. It was uh, I was stressed. Um, things like this happen, so yeah, that's how it is. I uh, I managed to only lose 15 seconds, and uh, I think uh, I have to be be happy with that, with, with how, how it looked at, at one point at least. And you get on Nathan's bike at that moment. Do you think all of your dreams are just going up in smoke? Or did you manage to stay cool? Yeah, I mean, uh, at that moment, I, I, of course, I was, I was, I was stressed. Uh, okay. I, I was nervous, and uh, but I wouldn't say everything was going up in smoke because I, it was still a long way to the finish. So, uh, so I was also thinking that okay, maybe there is a chance that we can come back. Well, let's talk about the stage first. Mitch, Simon, Clark, what a win! Amazing how the Tour de France creates these stories, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, in a situation where he didn't really have a job at Christmas, and now here he is on top of the world, winning not just a stage of the Tour de France, but as you say, the pa- the Paris-Roubaix stage. Is that how the riders think of it? Yeah, I would think so. You know, like it's... You know, we all remember the stage that, you know, Degenkov won. We remember the Hushoff win. We remember the, you know, the Lars Boom win. Why do those wins stick out? Maybe they just stick out in my mind. But I think they stick out in everyone's mind because they're iconic, these stages. Look at today. Look what happened. Nothing away from yesterday's stage, but are we going to remember the Calais victory from... Probably we will, actually. Yeah, we, we, we will. probably will. I think we probably yeah. will, yeah. But you know what I'm trying to say. Banana you know, Man winning. Yeah, yeah well, that was, was yeah. something special. But, you know, they stick out. They're the hardest ones to win because so much happens. So many things are happening. You know, you, you, to get just through this in a good group, we're already seeing that's a success. Guys are getting in the bus today. If they're in that group, that front group, thinking, I didn't win today, but 
I also didn't lose. Yeah, the thing is, I think that yesterday's stage and this 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 one, the both you know both together, that they, they, they make a kind of fine uh, duo, you know, mm. because because I mean yesterday was you know the old triumphant Jumbo Visma, the move you know Van Ah uh, surging in the yellow jersey, we win the stage, and we thought, ooh, I mean these guys are are you know are really ripping it off, and today <laughs> they were uh, they were almost getting ripped off and but in the end i think it, it, it was not such a bad day for you movies because they you, there was a moment of panic as we also as well, you might not have seen it because you were on the road but when, when uh jonas vingegaard had the puncture or his mechanical we don't exactly know and they, they, they were, there was a kind of a ballet of of changing bikes around and you could tell panic was there totally but look at the result in the end this team had the resources to you know, there was a, a, a kind of a surrealistic moment when Wood Van Aert was chasing from from behind because he'd lost this time, and, and was coming back on Vingegaard. He went, vroom, you know, right, speeding past him. It, it, like we probably didn't see what what happened, and and he, he should have you know, stopped right away to help his leader. And you could tell, you know, it was it was really you know there was mm. panic all all over. And in the end, they kind of you know re recollected, and you know. Uh, obviously, th through the uh, you know the, 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 the from the from the DS car, you know instructions were given, and look if you look at the end of it, there were there were two guys taking care of Vingegaard, namely Wout van Aert and Christophe Laporte, and you know two guys and not only van Oudong stayed behind to 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 bring back uh, Roglic, which which they couldn't do, but in the end you know it could have been absolutely disastrous today for uh, Jumbo Visma, and in the end they didn't lose that much. Were you surprised watching that the break stayed all the way to the finish, Francois? In a way, yeah. What was astonishing when we saw Soivan and and, and Pogacar kind of flying on the, on the cobbles, they didn't. They actually in, in in the last fifteen or twenty k's, they actually didn't make any time on the on the break. They they even lost a little bit of time on the break uh, in the final section, which proves that that those guys were going really hard, really with you know riding very well. And I talked to um, Jonathan Waters at the, at, at the end of the of the stage. I, I had a long talk with Charlie Vegas at the start in the morning. They obviously had a plan. Uh, it kind of failed. I mean, it's it's a bit of a pity for, for them because you know they they, they they missed out on the stage win. They had two guys in the break. You know, Magnus Court and uh, Nissan Paulus. They, it, well, not so normally. What I mean, you know, if, if if mathematics are any matter, they they should have won that stage, but they they, they couldn't. And in the end, uh, Nissan Paris is missing the yellow jersey by 13 seconds. So so nothing came out of it. But in the same time, I think that after all the problems they had in the beginning with uh, Uran crashing many times, Bissau crashing, they really rode. A great uh, stage mm. today, and and that, that and more. I'm, I want. I'm really keen to see what's going to happen with Nilsson Paris. When I talked to uh, Charlie Bergelis this morning, he, he told me all the, the you know what he thought about uh, Nilsson, saying this guy is the biggest engine I've ever seen. He needs to mature because he's still a little bit like you know um, green, and you know he's, he's too 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 enthusiastic. He goes for it a little bit too much. Now he's only 30 seconds away with the right instructions and knowing his, his, his ability in, in the mountain. Well, that's a dark horse that we have to look for. Well, let's hear from Jonathan Vorters, the boss of EF Education Easy Post. So, lessons of the day. Good strategy on Charlie Begales' part today. Like Charlie, I mean, he the guy's executed on it exactly right. I thought Nielsen's attack with the K to go was perfect just uh didn't quite have the legs to, to get it all the way in he's well placed in the gc which was which was quite unexpected at first yeah i mean he was fourth place overall in tour de suisse so we'd be we'd be stupid to to you know to not think of him as a gc rider i mean you know there's no reason he can't ride a good gc i mean he hasn't ever before in a three-week stage race but then there's always a first for everything was it a plan, and, uh, as, as far as you know, from on uh, Charlie's spot? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Those two guys uh, in the front. It wasn't necessary. It was always to try to get Nielsen up there. It was Nielsen or Rigo in the breakaway, and then hopefully somebody else like Jonas Ruch or Magnus, somebody else also with them. So yeah, I mean those two exactly no, but that but yes, that worked out the way. That was the general strategy. Yeah. Did you see it as a kind of vindication today from? A rather difficult start to the tour with uh, Stefan's crash yeah. and Rigo's 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, would have been, would have been better had we taken the yellow jersey or won the stage, but uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, listen, the guys are racing well. The guys are racing well, so got still some still, still some little mistakes to work out, but they're still there, but they're going well. Surprisingly downbeat there, I thought Jonathan Vortis. He makes the point that they missed the stage, they missed the yellow jersey. Yeah, sure, but it was interesting that he said that they were trying to get either Paulus or Uran up the road to try and gain time, um, try and maybe insulate against the chaos and hectic nature of the of the cobbles. And I think they played a blinder there, getting Paulus up the road. Magnus Court. Perhaps it was unfortunate that he was the other rider in there because, you know, he must be running on fumes a little bit, needs a, a day or two to recover from the exertion of being in the break uh, the last few days. Um, but I think getting Paulus up there into the picture where now he can ride kind of slightly conservatively and just hang tight, see how it goes on La Planche de Belfi. He doesn't need to do anything dramatic for a, for a little while and just see if he can get through the, the weekend and still be in the picture. I think, you know, and, and just listening to you guys talk and actually watching it, I'm only just putting it all together now. It seems very obvious, but Magnus Court rode himself into the ground purely for the GC today. Because every time I saw, well, the three sectors we saw, he was on the front. So I, don't, I didn't see the rest of the race, but I can gather that in the last part of the race, he would have been the driving force of that, which ultimately, he was, he, he was. He was just purely trying to do it for GC. So the stage idea was out the window. Nielsen had his card to play, which he did play. Didn't work out. It looked quite good. But at the end of the day, I think EF will be walking away with this going, this is fantastic because, one, we missed the, the carnage that could have happened. And two, we gained so much out of this. Yeah, okay, the stage, they could have played the card for the stage, but I think they had much more to gain by going for the GC. I mean, lovely if they had the, the yellow jersey. But at the end of the day, having the yellow jersey sometimes can be a hindrance. They would have put the team on the front. They would have had to protect it. Now Nielsen can actually go under the the cards a bit, under the, you know, whatever the, the saying radar. is. Radar, yeah. Under the radar, sorry. Under the radar and just see what happens from here. I think it's a really, you know, hats off to Charlie there. That was a fantastic, you know, plan. Yeah, there, was a, there was a funny thing uh, that Charlie told me this morning as well that might explain uh, in a funny way why Magnus... Uh, has, has been at the front so much. Charlie told me Magnus is, is lots of talent, and but he can't, he doesn't like to, and he can't really ride well in a bunch. So the best way not to ride in a bunch is to break away, which he did very well since the start of the tour. He's also got the second best moustache in the Tour de France entourage, Mitch, hasn't he? <laughs> well, in the whole Tour de France. Needs a bit more volume, though, to match you. Um, does. Just a slight corrections corner. I think I said that uh, Paulus was on the podium at the Tour de Suisse. He wasn't. He was actually fourth. You know, still a very excellent result. But the day belongs to Simon Clark. So let's hear from the Israel Premier Tech Sports Director, Steve Bauer. Francois, you spoke to him at the finish. Did, did things go according to plan today? Was it the plan to have Simon up, up there? Yeah, we had the plan to, to cover the breakaway. Um, and uh, we asked Simon or Chris Nielans to go, uh, possibly Guillaume. You know, we were fortunate to have one in the breakaway because I think a lot of teams wanted to have a guy there. We were fortunate to have uh, Simon. And then, you know, for them to get three minutes, three minutes and a half minutes, you know, there was always a chance. But, uh, of course, we, we played with our team with Jakob to make sure that he was in position the whole time. So Hugo Hul and Guillaume and uh, Chris Nielans keeping Jakob in front for GC. So on both on both situations, Simon went for the win, and Jakob was in, in great place on GC. So he couldn't ask for a better day. What made the difference in the in the finale? Experience, uh, wit. Simon, he he's sharp. You know, he's a witty rider. He, he he's tactically very strong, and uh, of course he's 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 got a good kick. He has a a good kick in the finish, and it was damn close, wasn't it? So. Uh, you know, photo finish makes it even more suspenseful in the, in the final stretch. But uh, congratulations. What, what does it mean for the team? I mean, you know, winning first win on Tour de France. Yeah, of course, this 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 group is is a let's say a new World Tour team. You know, it's it's only been several years that uh, Israel Premier Tech is on the World Tour. It is the first win I understand for this team on the Tour de France. So we always always uh, hope for many more. That was our goal coming into this stage race: is to uh, to try to aim for stages. And uh, so having one, it, it, it feels quite good. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2022 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. 
Thank you very much to Science in Sport for supporting the cycling podcast. Mitch and I were out on the road today. I would have done with a Science in Sport gel at one point. I had to make do with a chicken curry baguette. Um, that was our lunch out there on the road. If you'd like to get 25% off everything at scienceinsport.com, use the discount code SISCP25. Any other business, I mean, any other business could go on all night, really, couldn't it? But what happened to Matthew van der Poel? I mean, he is a, a, a classic specialist. He's a big unit. He's a fantastic engine. But he's been a little bit subpar. And today, I know he had a flat tire at some point, maybe had some other mechanical issues. Not sure if he crashed, but not in the picture, not in the mix, where I thought that he would have that license to maybe really rip it up in a way that Wout van Aert wouldn't have because of the team responsibilities. Interesting to see the beginning of the race when the, the first guys started to kind of drop out of contention. Peter Sagan was one of the first. I mean, even in... He crashed, right? I yeah, think well, Sagan, yeah. To radio tour on the... On, and even before the real start, you know, you got the dummy start and then you got sometimes like 15 k's before they go to the, the flag really gets down and 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 and, and Sagan had, had about three mechanicals in the what we call the defilé the, the, the you know the, the little ride to the, re, uh, the the neutral zone yeah the neutral zone which proved the the, the nervousness of the of, of the peloton so Sagan was quickly out of the picture and and Van der Poel okay he flatted but then from what we saw on TV there, there, there was a moment when he, he, he kind of quit and you, you could tell all of a sudden, he, he was kind of a mental puncture, like I can't go, I'm not there, I'm not in the mix. And it was it was pretty uh, intriguing to see. Well, obviously, we saw the, what, you know, Thibaut Pinot, other guys that were not, uh, you know, a uh, couple specialists uh, kind of miss out. But, yeah, that, there's a, yeah that's, that's kind of a real disappointment there uh, from Mathieu van der Poel. Uh, because usually, we, we thought, you know, that... Uh, after, after Usually, when Wout van Aert does something absolutely, absolutely spectacular like he did yesterday, you, given their, their rivalry that goes back a long way, then the next day, you know, Van der Poel is going to, to try and do the same. And today, there was nothing out, uh, out of him, so, uh, you know. So, we don't know. Uh, I mean, I haven't talked to the Alpes and Phoenix guys. Uh, we know he's had health issues. Uh, he's, he's, he's only well prepared enough or. Uh, that you know, is it is it is it short of competition? Is for the time being, we don't know. On the flip side, a very good day for Ineos, as I said earlier. I mean, Danny Martinez was in that group as well. So I mean, they've got everybody through there. Noted cobbled specialist Adam Yates. I mean, impressive ride from from those guys. But also, I think Bora Hansgrohe deserves some credit because Alexander Vlasov was in there, well shepherded through by Max Schachmann and Patrick Conrad. Nairo Quintana, he was the one that surprised me. I mean, I, I, he's pretty handy on these, you know, gnarly stages. Um, you know, tough rider, uh, but just seeing how comfortable he looked on sector one, you know, that was something to see. As you said, Mitch, when we were out there, you couldn't work out. I mean, obviously, all the GC riders want to be as far forward as possible, but we saw on the results, you know, some some noted cobbled specialists, you know, behind, but perhaps because they were you know, on team sort of duties. But when you see that uh, Roman Bardet, Enric Mass, you know, Movistar, he's got through today without losing any time at all. That's uh, a real boost for Movistar. And there'll be riders tonight who are punching the air that they have negotiated this stage without losing any time. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's a big win for Movistar. Spoke to a couple of those guys earlier today and they were very nervous about it. Personally, I looked at their equipment setup, and I think they had probably one of the worst setups of all the teams I'd seen. So they have that against them too. And yeah, like you said, I think you know you can't look at this as a Roubaix result. Yes, we see the cobbles, but Simon, very crafty rider in his own right, but I can't see him winning Paris-Roubaix himself. On the same note, we saw some big riders who are good at the cobblestone classics out the back whether that was problems or whether they had a job to do. So it's a, it's a different race here. Hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a tour, yeah. but it was entertaining all the same. There was a picture I took, actually, I put it on the social networks later, and yet you, you can see it. John Degoncourt won the, the, the last cobbled stage uh, on the Tour de France in 2019, was it? 2018. 2018. Yeah, World yeah. Cup final day, wasn't it, yeah, Francois? Absolutely. I don't yeah, know who absolutely. won that World yeah, Cup. But yeah. And it was an impressive win, but Degoncourt back from you know terrible 
crash and injury and to win this one Paris Bay before. Today, he really rode for Romain Bardet. And at the finish, you know, they were by the bus, you know, side by side. And you could, <laughs> there was kind of a look of love in the, in, in the eyes of Bardet for Degenkolb. He'd really, really been there for him, helping him, telling him what to do. And um, yeah, the, 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 well, I'll send a picture and you see it. But you, you could tell that really today, uh, Degenkolb really, you know, we knew that some of these guys would help uh, their GC leaders. So sometimes it didn't happen because because that that's the race, you know, your, your GC leader is dropped or has crashed or, you know, uh, but in this case it worked out well and you and, and it was, yeah, it was a nice thing to see, you know, the, 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 the sacrifice in a way uh, that, that Degenkolb made to, to, to help Baldi, you know. Uh, out of trouble, and that's part of the of today's. W this wouldn't happen, of course, never happen in Roubaix, where everybody's kind of fending for himself or go for the win. Ben O'Connor, the Australian rider with AG2R, their big hope, of course, third in the Dauphiné a few weeks ago. We saw him on sector one on the group that he was in, leading it, wasn't he? He was on the front, hammering across the cobbles. Chris Froome was in that group as well, I think. Uh, he's lost, uh, well, on the the stage winner, four minutes, 12. So what will that be? So three minutes on the rest of the GC riders. A difficult day for him. And I suppose he's one of the, the riders that's lost something today. But uh, there's always losers on a day like today. And But I think to repeat what I said earlier, you know, actually, when you look at the results, it hasn't done the real damage to the GC hopes of a lot of riders that it might have done. So it's been dramatic, entertaining to watch, but it hasn't destroyed the race. Although, I must admit, I can't really see much past Tadej Pogacar at the moment for the yellow jersey. Just a matter of time before he gets that yellow jersey, possibly on Friday at La Planche de Belfi, unless Nielsen Paulus can do something about it. I don't know. But Mitch... Before we wrap up, we ought to talk about the beers here because uh, we've had a couple of special ones. We have, and I've completely forgotten the name. The, the, our waiter's taken the bottle away. I'm going to have to lean on Francois here because <laughs> our <laughs> no waiter's probably understanding him, the owner of this place, where we were saying he brought out some beautiful beers. I can tell... How do you pronounce the name again? It's called the, the Daffodil. Yeah, La Cuvée des Jonquilles, that's, uh, that's the, which means the Daffodil's vintage. It's a beautiful beer brewed close to here in a town called. It's made in a, in a little village called Gusigny, but it's 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 from it's between Roubaix and Valenciennes. And they brew it in the spring when the daffodils come out. And I thought it was a it's a great beer. We're in Valenciennes, which is very close to Arenberg, and the beer's brewed in the spring when Roubaix is on. It's a it's a cobblestone beer. It's an Arenberg beer. It's a celebration of Roubaix, and it you taste Roubaix in it. It was beautiful. We had it after a Roubaix stage. And it was absolutely delightful. I have to make a point, uh, uh, you know, because we're, we're discussing beer, but we should be talking cheese a little bit. Last night, for the first time, well, ah. you, you probably, uh, it might have happened to you to eat cobbles, <laughs> I mean, in, uh, in real life, but for, for once, you enjoy that. You, 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 had, you had a pavé de rubé, which is a rubé cobble, and it's a, it's a cheese. You had it last night. It was amazing. It comes out a big slab, like a big cobblestone, and you just pick it up and just gnaw away, don't you? <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> it was a lovely meal, though, last night, wasn't it? It was a lovely meal last it night. Was yeah, it was lovely, the cheese. Um, the rubé cheese was fantastic. The cheese selection was amazing. It was. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Lose. It was we had six sectors of cheese, didn't we, that we worked mm. our way through. You had you had three, I had three. We cut them in half so we sampled each other's cheese. Um, half a section yeah. each. It was the best meal in France so far, yeah. but I th I have high hopes for tonight because Le Grand Duc I've stayed here before. In fact, the last time I stayed here was in October for the Paris-Roubaix, the autumn Paris-Roubaix with Richard Moore and our agent David Luxton and friend of the podcast and, and photographer extraordinaire Simon Gill. We had a lovely weekend. We rode some of the pavé sections and uh, we talked about the, the, you know, the Tour de France and our plans for 2022. And of course, uh, tragically, Richard is not with us here, but he had already booked this hotel for us for tonight. And uh, so that's especially poignant. But uh, just to finish this episode, um, this morning at the Stark Village in Lille, the Tour de France organisers and Christian Prudhomme, the race director, um, held a little ceremony for uh, Richard Moore. Daniel Freeb and I were invited to take the stage in the Stark Village uh, the Tour de France has a custom where they present uh, to journalists who have 
covered 20 tours, uh, a, a little memento, and it was Daniel Freib's 22nd and my 20th Tour de France, and so we uh, received our mementos. And this Tour de France would have been Richard's 19th, and his wife Virginie and young son Maxime were in Lille this morning. We accepted on Richard's behalf his medal for covering uh, 18 Tours de France, tragically not here for the 19th. And then Daniel said a few words after Christian Prudhomme had spoken, and Daniel said... I want to thank Christian on behalf of all of Richard's family. I mean family in the literal sense of the word, but also the broader sense, because he had many friends here. He'd have loved to experience today's exceptional stage. He'd have loved to have experienced this day with us. But still, in a way, he will always be with us and always with the tour. Yeah, it was an emotional morning there in Lille. And we were incredibly grateful that the Tour de France held that little ceremony for Richard. And um, yeah, we, we, we go on, don't we? The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freed and Lionel Burney.